Create in us a clean heart so that we can worship you. Amen. Last week we looked at tradition. Amen. We looked at tradition. We looked at how it hinders us from the things of God. How people love outside rules and regulations to govern us. As to say, if we have these rules and we follow these traditions, they get us closer to God. Do it through some outside means. And today we're going to dive deeper into what Christ has to say how we deal with this issue in greater detail, amen? But most importantly, we gotta figure out how to overcome it. So the spirit impressed upon me is just a little bit different this morning, amen, from the usual way he, he leads me, but he impressed upon me to tie this morning's scripture, what we read, Mark chapter seven, verses 13 through 23, to compare it with the procedure of a heart transplant. Somebody said I need a heart transplant. Amen. So I wanted to title this Matters of the Heart with the subtitle A Heart Transplant. The Bible tells us, and you gotta you gotta bear with me this morning because I don't have my usual long pulpit to spread out all my books. Amen. Well, I'm going to take my time this morning. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it tells us to keep our hearts with all diligence because out of the heart are the issues of life. That where we deal with all the issues of life, they, they deal with our heart. So let's look at how we really are going to define and how God defines the heart. Amen. It is defined as the center and the dictator of all human activity. It speaks about the Bible being the center, the center of man, containing the totality of one's intellect, one's emotion, and one's volatility. I'm gonna explain that in a minute. The heart is the center of our intellect. People consider things in their heart, meditate in the heart, we commune in our heart. We keep things in our heart. We imagine things in our heart. We doubt in the heart. And we believe in the heart. So our heart has intellect. Not only that, the heart is the center of our emotions. We can, the Bible tells us that we can have a loving heart, a fearful heart, a repenting heart, an angry heart. A grieving heart, a humble heart, a loving heart, a troubled heart. So we understand that our heart is where we feel emotion. And then when we talk about the volatility, we're talking about the will, that the heart has a will. 
It contains the place where our heart, if it's hard and it doesn't obey the things that God tells us. And that our heart, it decides whether it wants to receive or whether it wants to reject the things of God. So we understand in a moment that our heart is the place where all activity stems from. It has to be placed in our hearts. Now, with open heart surgery, I don't know if anybody has ever had one or or ever had to have one. I'm, 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 I, I don't. I haven't heard that testimony. Um, but we're gonna learn a little something today, amen. Open heart surgery is any type of surgery. Listen to this, where the chest is cut open and surgery is performed on the muscles, the valves and the arteries of the heart. According to the National Heart Lung Blood Institute, CABG grafting is the most common type of heart surgery that is done on adults. During this surgery, a healthy artery or vein is grafted or attached to a blocked coronary artery. This allows the grafted artery to bypass the blocked artery and bring fresh blood to the heart. In James chapter 1 verse 21, the Bible says this, Wherefore, laying aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. In our text, Jesus clearly points out that it is not outside things that cause the blockage of the word from being productive in our lives. But it is the outward, it is the inside things, the things going on on the inside that keep us from receiving the engrafted word. In other words, the word gets rejected by the issues that are going on in the heart. Y'all following me? So this makes us candidates for surgery because God wants to get some things to us. He wants to perform some things through us and he wants these blessings in our lives, but a lot of times the things that are going on inside the heart of man are blocking the word from being effective in our lives. Amen? So, so when is open heart needed, open heart surgery needed? A, a bypass or a graft may be necessary for people, watch this, with heart disease. Coronary heart disease occurs when the blood vessels that provide blood and oxygen to the heart muscle become narrow and hard. Follow me. This is often called hardening of the arteries. Hardening occurs when fatty material forms a plaque 
on the walls of the coronary arteries. This plaque narrows the arteries, making it difficult for blood to get through. And when blood can't flow properly to the heart, a heart attack may occur. My point, the hardening of the arteries is our hearts turning to stone. Uh, the Bible tells us that he wants to he wants to give us a heart of flesh. He want, God wants to take our stony hearts and replace it with a heart of flesh. The traditions and the laws that, that Jesus, remember Jesus before this text, before we got to this, it's all tied to the text. He was talking to them about their wanting to wash their hands and all the traditions that they were holding to, to the elders and how it was blocking them from receiving the true blessing that God wanted to get to them. So watch this. The traditions and the laws that we hold to cause our Christian arteries to become narrow. We have narrow-minded thinking because we hold so hard to our traditions. And we have a narrow view of all that God has afforded to us so that the blood can't flow. So we block the flow of the blood. Now, we just had communion and we understand and we know that it is in the blood of Jesus that carries everything we need for our Christian life. I feel my help. That, that is where mercy flows. It's where grace flows. It's where forgiveness flows. It's where love flows and our redemption flows. And if our arteries are blocked, none of that can flow. So the traditions that we hold to, actually what they were doing when they were saying, well, your disciples don't wash their hands and all these other things. And now we're talking about food and the meats because now they want to say, well, you know, you can't, you know, y'all heard it. Don't eat the pig. Don't eat the pork. Don't eat this. So, you know, and God said to Peter when he was telling him what he wasn't going to eat, don't call anything common that God has cleansed. Right. So he was letting us know that it's not about food. You can't hold to a bunch of outside laws and think that that's going to make you more religious or more have a better relationship with me when actually it's narrowing your arteries and you're in and you're almost on the verge of having a spiritual heart attack because now the blood can't even flow the blood he was telling them the blood that I'm about to shed on Calvary that you need for the remission of your sins is being blocked by your traditions and the blood will have no effect so we, we why do we need open heart surgery pastor why do we need to have this transplant well in, in the natural the open heart surgery is to repair or replace the valves which allow the blood to travel. It's to repair damaged or abnormal areas of the heart. And it's to implant devices that help the heart beat properly. And it's also to replace a damaged heart with a new heart. Taking the stony heart out and giving you a heart of flesh. Repairing or replacing the valves so that blood can throw. In other words, God has to take out some stuff in our lives that we thought we needed in order that was really hindering us 
from becoming all that God wants us to be because the blood wasn't flowing. Also, the abnormal areas of the heart. When you look at abnormal areas of the heart, it means, see, God has given, when God gives you a heart, he, he gives you a heart for people. He gives you a heart for the things of God. He gives you a heart that wants to serve. He gives you a heart of compassion and of love and of peace and of kindness, right? But because of some of the things that we have allowed in our lives to damage us, some of us have been damaged by other people, by other churches, by other by family members, by mothers, by fathers. We've been damaged, and there's damage to the heart. So you you know your heart has been damaged when you know it, it, it takes you a while to trust. Remember we had that we had that class that God created us to trust, but the enemy wants to put fear and all kind of things in our lives. So now we don't have a normal heart because our hearts have been damaged. You've been in a relationship and the last relationship hurt you and so now you don't want to love and you don't feel you can love anybody else because the last person damaged you. Y'all better help me. And then, so God has to come in and he has to, sometimes he has to put a device <laughs> and it's just so we can, you know, be properly. That device, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, so somebody said we're about to go, we're about to have surgery. So now that we're all in the operating room, and God is about to, uh, let me just show you how, oh, what has to happen to us. And we're, we're all in the operating room, because I think we all can agree that all of us, at one point, or even now, we, we might have to go for touch-up surgery. It, it might have been something that even, you know, hit us along the way, or our hearts are not in the right place and we got these things lurking around the things that that god has said in this morning scripture that it's out of the heart that all these evil things come the fornications the, the lies the thefts the adulteries and all, all these things because just because we're saved don't think that no don't think that everybody look on your screen you see the person next to you look like the brady bunch but if you look down on your screen that person that's below you right now they got some issues going on in their heart even though they are saved, sanctified, and set apart for God's purpose. We all got to go to the surgery room. And so what the, 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 the doctors will do is they give the patient anesthesia. Right? And this ensures that they'll be asleep and won't experience pain throughout the whole surgery. And then the surgeon makes about an 8 to 10 inch cut in the chest. The surgeon cuts through all or of the patient's breastbone to expose the heart. Once the heart is visible, the patient may be connected to a heart or a bypass machine, and the machine moves blood away from the heart so that the surgeon can operate. The surgeon then uses a healthy a vein or artery to make a new path around the blocked artery. The surgeon closes the breastbone with wire, leaving the wire inside the body. Jesus. And then the original cut is stitched up. But God, on the other hand, Jesus, he, he, he doesn't apply anesthesia. He, he, he's not going to put us to sleep so we don't feel any pain when he's cutting. Jesus. Because 
God doesn't just want to cut open. He, he wants to, he doesn't just want to put the old man to sleep. He wants to kill the old man. And you won't feel it when the old man is dying. See, when Jesus went to the cross, thank you, sweetheart. When, when Jesus went to the cross, they didn't give him any anesthesia before they crucified him. Y'all, Jesus. See, the Bible says in Romans 6, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we will also live with Christ. So he, he kills, he wants to kill the old man. And this, and this is, uh, y'all better come on, this is where a lot of us jump up off the table. See, it, it would be easy uh, for God to go ahead and perform the surgery on me. I wish he would just go ahead and put me to sleep, cut me open, take out everything that not like him, put himself in, shut me up and get me up and let me just walk this Christian life, save, sanctified with all the power that Jesus had. But he does not do that. He tells me that I got to kill my flesh, that I got to beat myself daily. That I'm not going to have no anesthesia. See, I, that's, that's why I used to get high. Because I would want to numb the pain. And a lot of us use some other form of a method to whatever it is. Because we don't want to feel the pain of the old man dying. So we want to anesthetize whatever it is. We use weed. We use cocaine. We use sex. We use alcohol. We use, am I talking to anybody right now? But God said, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you stay awake because I want you to see the old man dying, and then he allows sin. Watch this. He, he allows his, his the knife he uses. He allows sin to cut us open. Oh, y'all better say preach, pastor. I'm preaching better than y'all clapping. He, he allows sin to cut us open so that he can expose what's really going on. <laughs> See, Romans 7, Paul said, why, okay, Paul, we ain't gonna say Paul said it, because you and I said it. Why is it the good that I want to do? I don't, I can't seem to do. But that which I do not want to do, I keep on doing. I see then that there's a war going on in my members. The good man, the, the man inside that wants to do good, but the evil that's always present. Oh my God. So I know that there's nothing good in me. There's no good that dwells in my flesh. Because the will to do good is present, but how to perform it, I cannot find it. Anybody ever have say, I'm never going to do that again, and you end up doing it again, and you, you got your mind made up that you're going to go ahead and this is going to be the best day of praise in your life, and it ends up being the worst day of praise, and y'all ain't going to say nothing. So here you got this fight going on, but the Bible also says that when sin has fully, when sin is complete, see, see, God will allow, see, I didn't get delivered until I got sick of what I was doing. The deliverance didn't come until I got so sick at what sin was doing to me that I decided, uh, -uh God, go ahead, I surrender, have your way. Because that sin cut me up so bad that I didn't want to have nothing else to do with it, can I say? See, 
you know you are on the operating table. See, because there was a time that I was enjoying my sin. I wasn't thinking about what it was doing. It, was, it felt good, even though it was cutting me. It felt good. But it's when the pain, it's when people start walking out of your life, when doors start shutting, when all the when you hit rock bottom, when you're at zero. See, uh, y'all better come. Sometimes you got to allow people to hit zero in their lives and so that the sin can just cut them up. You don't like to see them being cut, but it's only through the cut that God will be able to heal. So, so once we, once he does that, see, now after, after he opens us up, he, he removes us and he fills us with himself. He doesn't just give us a new heart. He puts himself in us and then he closes us up. Somebody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. See, and, and now, now watch this. The, the scars that we have after he stitches us, the scars after the surgery are to remind us of the operation that we had with God while we were in the operating room. I said, I said the scars that we have after he closes us up are to remind us. Y'all remember, y'all remember Jacob, y'all remember Joseph, y'all remember those who fought and wrestled with God. And see, whenever you go through something with God, and you're you going to come out with a limp. You're going to come out with a scar. You gonna, But the scars are to remind you of where you've been. Every time I look in the mirror and I see the slashes and I see the cuts, it reminds me that God was with me there. He was, he, he don't, he don't, because see, if he totally removes the scar, well, we are such a people that we will forget where we came from. And God will have to keep putting us on the operating table. But I only need one operation. Somebody say, I only need to go through that one time. Yeah. I don't want God. I don't want God to keep having to put me on the operating table. That just I, when I when I go to the hospital and my insurance is only gonna cover one. Y'all better help me. My insurance is only gonna cover one operation. Don't keep having me come back and forth. Just put me on the table. Put me to sleep. Do what you gotta do with me so I can get up out of here and get about my business. And that's what God said. Let me go ahead and deal with these issues that you got going on in your life right here, right now, so you can leave from this place, leave from this mountain, and go to where I have for you on this day. Somebody give God some praise. Amen. Glory. So now, so now let, let me get ready to close this message. He 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 closes us up. Now here's the part. He he opens us up. He lets us know that it's not what's going in. It's it's not an outside thing. It's from within. It's it's a matter of the heart. If you get your heart right, then you'll get your life right. And you gotta get your mind and and because see what the Bible says in James that once sin conceived in the mind, then once it goes into the heart, it brings forth it brings forth death. It has to move from your mind to your heart. That's why the Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because if I can change your mind about a situation, then as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, we think, we think, and I taught that before, we think, we think with our mind, but we actually think with our heart. I, I know what you've been thinking about what you do, because what you think got into your heart, which made you perform an action. So you got to cut it off. That's why the Bible says cast down every high thought and imagination and bring it captive and subject to 
the will of God. You got to capture it in your mind. So if you don't take hold of it and capture it while it's here, once it seeps into your heart, you're going to go follow. You're going to follow your heart. You will follow your heart. But you can fight in your mind. It's hard to fight in your heart. Did, did you catch that? It's hard. It, let, let me make it so you can understand it. When you were dating and you had issues, it, it was all right because he wasn't really in your heart. She wasn't really in your heart. So you can let it go. You can walk away from it because it was just a mind thing. But once that tie happens and once that person got your heart, now that person can act a fool and it's hard to walk away from it because it's in your heart. Oh my God. So you got to kill it while it's in your mind because it wants to take rain in your heart. And the only one that can have rain in your heart is God. Because that's where the fight is. He's fighting for the throne of your heart. If God, God wants to sit on the throne of your heart. So he says, I need to take out the stony heart, the heart that want to do its own thing, the heart that want to think its own thoughts, the heart that wants to move when it wants to move, say what it wants to say, feel how it wants to feel. And I have to give you a heart of flesh. Jesus. So now he closes us up. So, so here are some risks. I'm, I'm going to give you the, the risk and the aftercare and then I'm going to let y'all go ahead and finish cooking your chicken wings and everything else so you can get ready for the game. Amen. So here, here we are. What, what are the risks of open heart surgery? Risks for open heart surgery include a chest wound infection. More common in patients with obesity or diabetes. Check this out. So one of the main things that they worry about when you have open heart surgery is a, an infection, a chest wound infection. So, so here's my point. We must protect the wound. If God has transformed us and given us a heart that is after him, Father, creating me a clean heart, renewing me the right spirit, give me a heart that desires your will. Give me a heart that chases after you. If God has given you that type of heart, the thing that you have to look out for, people of God, is a chest wound infection. In other words, you got to watch out from bacteria. From You got to keep your wound free from bacteria. Y'all still missed it. In other words, let me make it real clear. You got to keep your wound free of people that would infect you. <laughs> After your heart has been changed, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship has light with darkness? Y'all better come on. See, we got to come out from among them and be separated. God, I just been on the operating table. It's funny because if we come out of the hospital and we had a physical surgery and we're in quarantine or, you know, we got us in the ICU and they say you can only have a limited amount of visitors because we don't want anybody to bring any bacteria or infection into you that was going to stop your healing process. We shut down family. We shut down everybody because we don't want to go through the surgery. Again, we know the cost of the surgery. But in the 
and the spiritual. We don't count the cost of the surgery and we allow any and everybody into our space that will infect what God has done in our lives. And that's why I tell you, everybody is not qualified to be in the recovery room with you. Y'all better help me. Well, God is working on me. I can't, don't take it personal, but I know you carry some type of infection and I don't need, well, I have faith working in my life that you're going to bring the infection of doubt, unbelief. Y'all going to bring the infection of, you know, just an attitude that is not conducive with my healing. I got people on my job like that. You don't want to tell them ever that you got some sick. If you tell them something wrong with you, they're going to tell you you about to die because you had a cough. Well, I know a person who had a cough and then the next moment they was on the floor. Can I get a witness over there, Derek? You don't want to tell some people that, about some stuff because they're going to tell you everything and anything, but they is not going to encourage you that you're going to survive that cough. And then you you gonna start thinking, is this cough? What is this? You gonna want to take home? You gonna go home? You gonna start taking medicine? You gonna start praying? It's just a cough. But because you had that infected person around, now that bacteria has gotten into your spirit. Somebody say, stay away from it. So now you, you gotta you gotta surrender. So now once you that's that's the main thing. So what you gonna do is when you wake up after the surgery, here you go, you're gonna have about two or three tubes in your chest. And these are to help drain the fluid from around the area of your heart. And you may have IVs in your arms to supply you with fluids, as well as a catheter, you know, to help remove your bladder. I'm helping you right now. You may also be attached to machines that monitor your heart. Nurses will be nearby to help you if some if you if you need some help after you open and you come up out of your surgery. And you will usually spend the first night in intensive care. Then you will be then moved to regular care room for the next three to seven days. <laughs> Here's my point: when you come out of open heart surgery with God, He is going to surround you with believers. You are going to be have to be connected up with some people that are able to survive. That's why the Bible says those who are weak, you bear the infirmities of the you, you, Those who are strong bear the infirmities of the weak. That we are to hold them up. There are some things that, that you got to make sure you surround yourself with people who can get a blood flow to you. That, that can help. That can supply what you need when you don't even know what you need. Am I helping anybody? That's why you got need, you need a good nurse. You need a good spiritual nurse that's going to tell you what to do because you're going to be trying to do all type of stuff and it ain't time. I'm reminded of Paul who after his heart transplant had to go sit for some three years under tutors before he started his ministry. He didn't just get up off the operating table and start moving around and doing whatever he wanted to do. He had to be surrounded by people and then there were even those who did not believe the heart transplant worked. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing because there's gonna be some people in your life who don't believe that the transplant worked. This is what I want you to understand. This is what you need to do to protect from those that are gonna try to come in and really steal your 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 blessing from these matters of the heart. You want to protect the incision. You want to you want to make sure that you do not allow people around you that can infect you and give you ideas that want to cause you to to sin. Oh, we don't say that word in the church. Too much people they lose members when you say sin. But 
but fornications and adulteries and all these other things. So we want to protect ourselves. The other thing that's important about a, a surgery, open heart surgery, is pain management. Ooh. It's, it's important that you understand that, you know, to speed up the process, you understand, you, you, you're going to feel muscle pain, you're going to feel throat pain, you're going to feel all types of pains, but that's all part of the healing process. You got to know that when God does a new thing in your life, it's not easy. I know sometimes you, let, let, let me be real, can I be real with you? God ever deliver you from something that you knew you needed deliverance from, but you were still sad because you were delivered? Y'all ain't going to be real with me, but but there's some things that you know you, you, you've you been begging God to deliver you from. He do it, but you miss that thing because you, you, you still kind of like that. God, God can handle real. Yeah, you know, I, I like it, but I know I know you don't like it. And and I know it needs to be out of my life. And it's painful. It, not only that, it's it's painful when God tells you to get people out of your life. It wasn't easy for Abraham to leave his country and his family. It, it's not easy being being a Christian and God tells you you're gonna have to leave some people. And then they are gonna say, Oh, you what do you think? You think you're better than us and oh you you you're supposed to be my sister, you're supposed to be my brother, you you my cousin on my uncle's granddaddy's side on on the first, second, and third. They they know the whole line and everything. But but it's pain management. And it's hard and it's not gonna be easy. Then the, then the next thing they tell you when you come out of open heart surgery is you gotta make sure you get enough sleep. See, some of us Christians don't know how to rest in Him. The Bible says that He, that those who, who have Christ, we enter into a rest. We, we don't. We shouldn't be chasing all type of stuff. We, we don't got to be worried about a whole lot of stuff. We ain't supposed to be worried about nothing. Period. A whole lot of stuff. We ain't got to worry about nothing. We got God on our side. God in us. God is with us. Who can be against us? So, oh, why, why worry about it? Get some sleep. Some of us got some body issues and health issues. They don't have nothing to do with what you ate. It's just because you don't sleep good. You worry about everything. So you got ulcers and all kinds of stuff. You know, they got pains for work. They got pills for worry. And that, that's the main thing. They can't diagnose everything is anxiety. You're stressing. We got a pill for that. And then you got to make sure you go through rehabilitation. Ooh. Rehabilitation. Stay consistent. You ain't gonna lose weight if you don't do nothing every day. You gotta stay consistent. Rehabilitation. You gotta stay with it. Stay with reading your word. What is your rehabilitation from a heart transplant? Stay in your word. Stay around people who believe. Stay going to church. Stay at Bible study. Stay listening to your pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then you got to have a healthy eating diet. You can't read two scriptures and then go look at, uh, you know, L.A. Housewives and all kind of other stuff. All the rest of the day, you got all kind of crap playing and you're going to read two scriptures. And they're going to talk about pastor. It ain't working. Ain't nobody saying nothing. Amen. It's matters of the heart. So it ain't about a whole bunch of religious things. It's about getting our heart right. 
It's about understanding that God said he wants to give us a heart that desires the things. He said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. That's a heart transplant. Because a lot of us have desires, but they're not God desires. They're our desires. He said, I'm going I'm to give you desires. You, you know you had a heart transplant when he gives you a compassion and a heart for things that you at one time never even thought about. And you're trying to wonder, why is this burden? Because it's something new in your heart. He's developing something. That's a desire. He wants you. And then we try to shut it down. We try to minimize it. We try to put it in the closet. Say, oh, I can't do that. That ain't for me. That's for the pastor. That's a lie. From the pits of hell, y'all better hold me. God wants you. He put it in your heart. He put it in your heart. But you want to take everything that God is putting in your heart and give it to somebody else because you want to remain lazy. Somebody say, get rid of the lazy spirit. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the heart transplant. We thank you for the surgery that's taking place even now that you will help us to examine our hearts. Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We don't even know what's in our own hearts. So God, we ask that you, you examine us. That you take out anything that is not like you. And God, give us new vows. Vows of peace and joy and love and expectation and hope and faith. Courage. Excitement. Give us a valve of fire that will be set on fire for the things that, that your heart burns for. And we thank you. We, we trust you. We'll, we'll lay on your operating table. We thank you for the angels that are in the operating room with us. We thank you for the, for the angels, the nurses that you, that you ministered, sent to us to minister to us to help us understand that when you give us a heart transplant, we don't look like everybody else. That's why we don't go the way of the world. We don't have a heart like other people that can just turn their ear and close their eyes to the things that we know hurt your heart. And Father, we tell you thank you. We thank you, God, for all these things. Continue to bless us. And keep us until we meet again to give your name praise, glory, and honor. Hallelujah. We want to worship you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for communion. Thank you for the praise and worship. And thank you for victory. We give you glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace.